What is the church? Is the church a building? Is the church a pastor? Or the staff? Is the church the music? The tradition? Or the ministries? These are all good things, but they are not the church. Take them away, and the church is still here. Why? Because you are still here. The church is you. I grew up going to church. When I was born, my dad was in school preparing for ministry, and by the time I was two or three years old, my dad was pastoring a church. And to say that we went to church every single week was an understatement. We were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and there were times that we were in church every single day of the week. For almost the first 15 years of my life, I live right next door to the church. I would literally get up in the morning, get dressed, and I would walk over to church. It was in church that, that I was saved. It was in church that I was baptized. It was in church that I first started talking to my wife and, and eventually married my wife. So to say that the church is important to me is, is an understatement. And at a very early age, I learned this Christian nursery rhyme that kind of planted in my mind this picture of what the church is. It, it goes like this. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. You open the doors and, and there's the people. And that's what I thought about when I thought about the church. I thought that the church was a building. It was a place that you went. And there were big churches and there were small churches and there were country churches and there were city churches. There were some churches that were beautiful. They had stained glass and tall steeples and columns. And there were other churches that were kind of old and, and run down. There were churches that were ornate and there were churches that were simple. But the truth of the matter is, when I thought about the church, I thought about a building. But is that what the church is? Is the church a building that you go to? There are other people, when they think about the church, they think about programs, activities, events that take place at the church. The church has children's ministries, student ministries, men's events, women's events, sporting events. Some people even think about potlucks and fellowships. All the things that the church does. Even the preaching and the music and those kind of things. But is that the church? Does the church consist of the programs, the events, the activities that take place at the church? Well, regardless of what your present feelings are about the church... It is clear both in the Bible and in church history that the church is a big deal. The Apostle Paul told the church at Ephesus, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for it. And then he went on to say Christ cares for the church. 
We're told that the church is the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. Augustine, who was one of the early church leaders, said, He who does not have the church as his mother does not have God as his father. There's no way around it. The church is important. And so let's look for a few moments at God's Word to see what it says about the church. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew 16, Jesus' ministry is in full swing. He's been traveling the countryside, teaching and and healing and ministering to people. But there were a lot of different opinions as to who Jesus was. There were some that thought he was a prophet sent from God. And there were others who said he was some kind of religious heretic. So in verse 13, we are told that Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. This area is about 10 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It's an area that that borders on both Jewish and Gentile territory. It is also a place in a mountain, in a deep cavern. It is believed in Greek mythology that the God of nature, Pan, was born. And so this was a center of pagan religion. It's rather interesting to me that it is in this setting, a birthplace of a pagan religion... Jesus asked His disciples a question that would lead to an incredible truth. I want you to listen to what it says beginning in verse 13. Jesus asked, Who do the people say that I am? They said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others say Jeremiah or some other prophet. Then Jesus asked them, What about you? Who do you say I am? Now listen to what happens next. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. Now Jesus begins with a question. Who do people say that I am? But then Jesus gets personal. And he asks, who do you say that I am? I want you to listen. Your answer to that question is the most important answer that you will ever give. Because your answer to that question will not only determine your happiness and your peace here on this earth, it will determine your home for all eternity. And this question has only one right answer. I want you to listen to what Peter said. He said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are the one we have been looking for. You are the one... We have been waiting for. You were the one that was promised long ago. The Savior, the Deliverer, the one who will deal with our sins and and set us free. You were the one who is going to be able to make everything right. You were the one who will be seated on the throne. We all know this world is messed up. Politically, we're divided. Not only by countries, but by parties. 
physically, we're flawed. We're prone to sickness and, and disease and death. And personally, we're sinners. No matter how hard we try, we continue to make wrong choices. Choices that hurt only not only us, but hurt the people that we love and care for. We say things and we do things and we think things. And then we wonder, why in the world did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I think that? And the reason is because we're sinners. And our only hope is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who came to the earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to forgive our sins, and rose from the grave defeating sin and death. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father except through me. There is only one right answer. There is only one way to happiness here in this life and a hope for all eternity, and that is Jesus. And so let me ask you, who is Jesus to you? Is He your personal Savior, the Messiah? Is He the Son of God, the Lord who sits on the throne? In a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart and into your life if you haven't already done that. But let's move on for just a moment and notice a statement that Jesus makes. Jesus looks at Peter and He says, Upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus says, Upon this confession of who I am, upon this declaration that I am the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. Now notice whose church it is. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. In Acts 20, 28, Jesus said that, that He purchased the church with His own blood. And notice who the one is who builds the church. I don't build the church. We don't build the church. Jesus is the one who builds the church. Now what is it He is building? Is He building a building like I am sitting in right now? Or, or is He building programs that, that He wants us to carry on? Or is He building something else? Is He building something more? The word that Jesus uses for church is the Greek word ekklesia. It literally means called out ones. You see, the church is people. The church is a family. The church is a community of people that God has called out of the world into a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. The church is a family of believers gathered all around the globe who confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. So all around the globe today, there are buildings where churches typically meet. And yet those buildings are sitting empty. But we are still the church. We're still the people of God. We are gathered around TVs and computer screens and phones, worshiping together, 
praying together, opening up God's Word together. Because you see, as long as Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, the Son of the living God, we are still the church. But with everything that is going on right now, with our buildings shut down, does that mean that the church has been stopped from accomplishing its mission? Remember, Jesus gave us a mission. He told the church to go into the world and make disciples of all people, baptizing them, teaching them. So can we still do that? Or because we're not able to meet in these buildings, has the church been defeated? Has the enemy won? Has our mission come to a standstill? I want you to listen to what Jesus promised. He said, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it, the church. Now listen to that. Jesus didn't say the gates of the church. He said the gates of hell. Now the gate isn't used in an attack. You don't pick up a gate to hit somebody over the head with a gate. A gate is used when we are attacked. A gate is used as a defensive weapon. And what Jesus says here is that the gates of hell will not be able to stand up against the church. Jesus was not talking here about protecting the church against Satan, but rather the church... His church breaking down the gates of hell and setting those free who were in bondage to Satan. Listen, Jesus established His church to break down the gates of hell. The church is not some fortress that we gather in to withstand the attacks of the enemy. But rather the church is an army that goes out into the world knocking down the gates of hell and setting people free. And I want you to know, no gate of hell will be able to withstand the onslaught of the army of God, the church of Jesus Christ. These are uncertain times we are in. These are uncharted waters that we are facing. And there are some of you who are worried and concerned, and confused. But I want you to know, Jesus is still the Messiah. He is still the Christ. He is still the Savior, the Son of the living God, who is seated on the throne, and nothing can stop His church. Nothing can keep us from setting captives free. Now we may be able to, to use creative means now that we've never used before. But Jesus is still calling us to set the captives free. So what about you? Is Jesus your Messiah? Is He your Savior? Is He the Son of God, the Lord of your life? And if He is... What are you doing to knock down the gates of hell and help set the captives free?
wherever you are right now, I want you to take a moment where you're at and bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here listening this morning and you've never truly trusted Jesus to be your Savior, you've never surrendered your life to Him as your Lord, then I want to encourage you wherever you are to pray this prayer to Him right now. Dear God, I come to you in Jesus' name, acknowledging that I am a sinner. I have disobeyed you. I have failed you. I've lived life my way. I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion anymore. Father, I believe that your son Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for my sins, rose from the grave defeating sin and death for me. And today, I'm placing my trust in Jesus. Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, and take control. Jesus, from this moment on, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me. And thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen.